When I was young, many moons ago, um, I used to think of the Trinity as, as uh, pretty much a mystery. Um, it was a mystery how three could be one and one could be three, and that was pretty much it. But in the years that have, have come since then, I've learned that I know a lot more about the Trinity than I, than I ever dreamed I did. Um, the Father, the Father, God the Father. Uh, how much do we know about God the Father? What do we think of when we think of God the Father? I think most of us think in terms of maybe uh, creation. Um, the Old Testament speaks of the Father. Uh, we see the Father acting in the Old Testament quite a bit, um, giving the Ten Commandments and so on. Um, but the Father is also um, known for uh, his authority. Um, when we think of God, we usually think of him um, as God because he, <clears throat> he didn't become flesh. He doesn't have a body. Um, he's not the Holy Spirit. So we think of him, you know, as, as God and, and um, uh, all-powerful. And um, in the Old Testament, he's shown to be very powerful and, and can be stern at times. But our Lord, when Jesus came to this earth, he told us a lot about the Father and certainly fine-tuned our understanding of the Father. In fact, he called him Father. We don't see him referred to as Father in the Old Testament. It's Jesus that when, when he's asked how to pray, he tells them, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. He teaches us to pray to the Father. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer to the Father, even though it's the prayer of the Son. The Son is the one who who taught it to us. God is, is Father, as well as Creator, as well as God. He is Father. He is ultimate parent. He loves us. And Jesus shows us how to live um, in accord with the Father by the way he lived and what he taught. Jesus himself, of course, is also God. It's not just that God the Father created the earth and all creation. Scripture tells us that he did this with the Son. The Son was the instrument by which this all happened. The Son is, is, the, is the, the one to blame for the way we look, the talents we have and the, the talents we don't have. And then there's the Holy Spirit, the Enlightener. I've told this, this um, story before, but for different reasons. It's a true story, it's a short one. Um, there was a young, back in the 1900s, it sounds like it's you know, a long time ago, or most of us remember the 1900s, um, although not all of us do. Um, there was a young boy in a, in a small town in Europe that was a very Catholic town, a small town. Everybody knew everybody. And every night after school, when this boy would go home, he'd pass this store that had in the window um, a, an electric train that he really liked. 
It would give him pleasure just to look at it each night when he went by. And the, this was not overlooked by the town atheists. They had one, one well-known atheist in town, and I think he was more than an atheist, I think he was a Satanist. But in any case, he told the boy, you like that train? And the boy said, yes. He said, would you like to have it? And the boy responded positively again. And he said, well, I can get it for you if you'll do me a favor. And the boy said, sure, what? And he said, when you go to church on Sunday, after you receive communion, just spit it in your handkerchief and put it in your pocket. And then um, when you come out of church, I come down to the store, I'll be waiting here for you with the train and just give it to me. And that sounded so easy. I mean, didn't have to, didn't have to do much. He just had to go in and put the host in his, in his, in his handkerchief. So um, the day came and he did that. He received, put it in, and put, spit it, the host in his, in his handkerchief, walked out of the church, went down the steps, walked down the street, and just as he turned the corner, he saw the man standing in front of the, the uh, store with a box of the train in his hand, in his, under his arm. And the boy reached into his pocket, took out the, the handkerchief, and consumed the host. It was at that point that reality hit, that he realized he couldn't do that. This is God in his hand. So here we have the, the, the whole trinity operating in this simple incident in a most magnificent way, but in a very ordinary way also. The boy suddenly realized divinity. This, this is of God. This is God. And he realized that he couldn't do something like that. It would, first of all, it would be disobeying God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, but also the man wanted the host, not for a good reason, not to take to the poor, to the sick. He wanted it to destroy it, to perform a sacrilegious act with it. That's where I said uh, he sounded like a Satanist to me. But it was through the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit that the boy was sensitive to what he was doing. And it, suddenly, he just couldn't do it. So the whole Trinity was operating in this boy at that very moment because the whole Trinity is operating in all of us at every moment, no matter how humdrum or unimportant the moment may seem to be. We are created in the image of the Trinity. It sounds very abstract till we consider that everything that exists around us is evidence of the Trinity. The beautiful sunset, the warm weather, the water outside, the loved ones we embrace. We, we acknowledge the Trinity, you know, we, we cover ourselves with it when we, when we make the sign of the cross, which is so appropriate. When we make the sign of the cross, we acknowledge the cross that the Lord died on to save us from ourselves, from our sins. But we also do that by saying, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. We do it when we begin our prayers. We do it when we come into church and dip our hand in the holy water. 
asking the Lord to purify us as we come before his presence. It's what the whole point is of the holy water. But we're baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We're absolved from our sins. May Almighty God absolve you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we're anointed, we're anointed uh, against, against disease in the name of the Trinity. When we die, we are blessed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When, when, when um, a man or a woman makes, makes final vows as a religious, again, the Holy Spirit. When we Dominicans are assigned to a particular house, when we get to the house, uh, the, the assignment is read out loud um, that, you know, so-and-so is, is being tra um, transferred from such-and-such such a place to such a place, uh, uh, such another place um, in which we, um, the new community is obliged to welcome him um, and uh, consider him a true member of the local community. And after it says all these things, under the, under the virtue of obedience, in other words, this is, this is binding under mortal sin. Each of our, our assignments as Dominicans, we have to be where we are as a matter of obedience. And then he finishes by saying, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, our, our, very, our very assignment is a prayer. And he ends it in the name, in the name of the Trinity. When a husband and a wife uh, are joined in matrimony, they say, receive this ring in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Each one says it to the other. We are, we are reminded continually that we live and breathe in the Holy Trinity, and the Holy Trinity dwells within us. And if we still think that this sounds very abstract, I think the, the strongest argument for me lies in the people that I love, the people that I care the most about. I don't love them simply because they have talents or because they're wealthy or because they have no faults. There's something about these people that is lovable, even though I can't articulate what it is. That's true in it, of all of us, the, the people we love. And that which we see as um, beyond our grasp to express, that is the presence of God. That's what it means to be made in his image and likeness. We bear his image and likeness in the very persons that we are. The fact that we're capable of loving in an unselfish way, denying ourselves for the good of the other. That's what it means to be made in God's image and likeness. And that's what it means to recognize that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit dwell within us and in our daily lives, and not a moment goes by that we are separated from that God or we would not be alive. We are holy people living in a holy place because God dwells within us. Let us give thanks and let us try to be more sensitive to this, this very, very holy presence. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 